You are listening to the Global CTE Podcast with your host, Sylvester Chisholm. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Global CTE Podcast. I am your host, Sylvester Chisholm. It is our desire to wrap a blanket of goodwill around the CTE community and highlight the best, the brightest, the people who are really doing it the right way and making a big impact and innovating. Today is no different. I have my good friend, Rachel Mann, here on the podcast. Let me tell you about Rachel. She has over 14 years of classroom teaching experience. She's passionate about all things related to education, technology, and science. She believes in the importance of shaping the educational philosophies and spaces of today by looking toward the innovations of tomorrow. Rachel is is an international keynote speaker at conferences and events across the globe. She speaks and writes about disruptive technology, education, and careers. She's the author of four books, including her newest title, The Things You Will Grow. When I tell you Rachel is busy, I mean she is busy doing the work. She currently serves as the director of CTE at the Milton Hershey School in Pennsylvania, and is also the host of the NCLA podcast. I, f- I suggest everyone check that out. And Rachel is listed in the top 30 gurus in education across the globe. Rachel, welcome to the show. Sylvester, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be on your show. Yes, yes. I'm I'm, I'm super excited about this conversation because um, you really live in the future as it relates to education, and you have such a a broad uh, depth of knowledge and in, in touching so many different layers as it relates to education and CTE. Um, we got a chance to spend some some time together in Cape Cod at the NCLA conference, um, which you're again actively involved in. Um, my first question, though, for you: this new book, okay? This new book. You just had a massive book launch at ACTE Vision. Uh, Super happy for you. The things you will grow from a CTE standpoint, you're introducing kids to agriculture careers. Like, talk to me about that. What made you choose that? Yeah, so when you look at agriculture as a whole, it's the backbone of our society. Every time we eat, that's agriculture. You know, it's, it's so much of, it's connected to everything we do, but we may not realize it. And it's also a field that's changing so much. People typically think of farming, going out and manually milking a cow or, you know, planting seeds by hand. And that's not what agriculture is. And it's also a field that's facing an aging workforce. So the biggest threat to agriculture right now is the lack of folks going into agriculture. My thought when creating this book was to inspire young people to start seeing themselves in agriculture careers at a young age, but also seeing what it looks like. The different, there's Cass and King of Blue, they're joined by their new friend Tilly, um, comes from Tilling the Ground, and they're exploring 24 careers related to agriculture. And it's also, you're seeing the the kids as they're exploring these careers, they're flying drones, they have sensors, they have uh, laptops and iPads that they're using to monitor the crops and what's happening. And you see the convergence of career paths, you know, supply chain, uh, looking at conserv- conservation, culinary, technology, all of these pieces that sometimes people don't even think about that side of agriculture. So it's supposed to be fun, lighthearted, playful, and just a way for kids to start thinking about at a young age, 
what they may do someday. I love it. Um, that exposure so early to things um, that could be potential career options is 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 very important. What what age group would you say the book is targeted at? Oh, great question. So it's something that if you're reading to a child, you can read to a young age. You can ask them like maybe three years old, four years old, and ask them questions about the different possible careers. You know, what do you think this person's doing? And then there's also uh, lesson plans attached to it through the national uh, the national agriculture curriculum council, I'm probably butchering their name, um, but they have, have added several lessons, added the book as a resource for several lessons if you wanted to use the book with kindergarten through fourth grade. That's so awesome. I I had a, a deep personal uh, experience with like CTE through the lens of agriculture over the summer. I, I, I uh, delivered the keynote for South Dakota ACTE conference. And there was so much talk about like ag science and it really opened my my eyes to the technology that's being infused in in agriculture um, and how the careers really are, are are different. And and there was a lot of talk about what you said, the the workforce is aging out, you know, and you really need to bring some some new blood into um in, into that industry, into that field. Absolutely. And if, and if young people are thinking of it as being manual labor, which in the past, it, it's, well, and it's still hard work, but it changes the conversation when they realize that they're sending a drone out to monitor the crops to see if there was damage from a storm or to see if one of their uh, far away barns or uh, buildings has any damage or, you know, that's, or, or even looking for a missing cow. You're now able to have GPS attached to your livestock to be able to monitor where all your livestock is, is at once. So it it's, it's a totally different career path than it was in the past. Now I want to, I want to push the conversation. Let's move from agriculture, your book and move it into AI, a conversation around that. I saw on LinkedIn, you were, as you were talking about the book, um, and I know you are about being an education futurist and looking to the future of, of, of things you used jasper.ai to help explain it to a child. Talk to me about that. Yes. So AI is a hot topic right now. And we're seeing all kinds of things coming up in social media, anything from an entire state banning the use of chat GPT to just teachers voicing their concern of, oh, kids are going to be able to cheat. Well, already within professional industries, when you when you read something online, chances are it was written with AI, sometimes by AI completely. That's been happening already. It's predicted that by uh, 2025, 92% of content that you read online will be written with or by AI. So when I was writing the, uh, the Things You'll Grow, trying to explain some of these careers in a, uh, the Lexile level that a kid can understand... 
that that's that's hard to get it down to that correct Lexile level. And so I went into Jasper AI and there's a program that you can use. You just plug in, explain it to a child and it'll translate what you wrote into and you put what grade what age level, what grade level or age level and it will translate it into wording that's appropriate for that age. So for example, um beekeeper. It's, okay. uh, it's, a, it lists it as, you know, I take care of bees, you know, the, and then it just makes it very fun and playful. There's one where it's, it talks about being a soil doctor, which that wasn't part of what I included, but it is part of the career path. So it was just a way of using AI to get it to that right level. And it, it's pretty quick instead of me having to think that I'm at the right Lexile level now copy and paste that into a, a website that tells you the Lexile level and then keep going back and forth. I have a tool that will do that for me. And then I can go in and make changes if I want to, to, uh, to make it more um, uplifting or interesting. You can also tell it what tone you would like for it to speak in. So if you want it to be playful, or if you want to put it in the tone of, of, uh, of Tony, uh, uh, Tony Robbins or <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, whoever you, you know, whatever you may want to do, you can have it speak in that tone or write in that tone. So I, I think it's so powerful that you, that you openly share that. And especially for teachers to not, or educators, just not to see AI as like the enemy, like it is a part of the future of, of learning. And I think it's better to figure out how can we properly use it? How can you use it to elevate or enhance what you're already doing? I'm curious, how, how correct were those responses that you were, that you were getting from Jasper? Were you like, oh, like this is right on the money, like, or were you impressed or I'm curious? I, I was very impressed. I was impressed not only with the accuracy, but also for AI to be lighthearted and childlike, to be able to use the right words to make it sound fun and intriguing to a kid. And it's when I first started working on the children's book, I'm on a Facebook group with uh, with the and the founder of Jasper AI and then folks who use it re regularly, where people share out ideas, they send out what they call recipes, which are basically uh, ways of creating commands to write even a book, if you want to write a book with AI. And I uh, put a question up and said, you know, is there a, a recipe for writing a children's book? And the founder um, of, of Jasper AI responded and said, AI is not good at rhyming. And then I went into, I started thinking, oh, that would be cool to write a children's book on helping Jasper to find its rhyme. And I was using Jasper to help create this. And Jasper actually gave me code to, uh, here's the code to use to make AI rhyme. I, I'm not a coder. I don't know if it was correct code or not, but I'm like, oh, I could just ask Jasper to write code for something that AI can yes. do. But you'll also see that the AI that's come out in the last couple of months, the different platforms such as ChatGPT, uh -huh. they do do rhyming well. And Jasper AI has upgraded to where they're also, um, you're able to create rhyme and lyrics and things like that through through Jasper AI as well. Let me, okay, let me, let me ask you something. Um, for an educator that's listening, um, give me something tangible, like how can an educator use this in the classroom? I know you've got, you have 14 years of teaching experience. So how would you use this in the classroom for a lesson like the Jasper? 
I, I, for one, I would, I am not, I do not enjoy writing lesson plans. If, my, if I have it here, I don't want to put it on paper. And so if I were a teacher and I were required to submit lesson plans, I would have Jasper write my lesson plans for me. I would have them create my lists. You know, if you're a culinary arts teacher, have them create your lists. Actually in the classroom though, it's important that instead of banning these tools, because this is the future, you can't halt it. You can't decide, oh, we're just going to block it and it goes, it's going to go away. It's not going to go away. So how can we use it and create an environment where kids learn how to use this tool in the correct way while still learning the skill sets that they need to be effective in life so that they're not dependent on AI, but they can use it as a tool. One thing is teaching them how to ask really good questions, because if you're using AI to write something, you have to ask it the right questions. You have to be able to go in and adjust and say, oh, okay, reword it in this way um, mm -hmm. to, to get the output that you want. But also a, a fun activity would be trying to stump AI, come up with a question that AI can't answer. And I, I've actually done that and had some fun with that, finding something that it doesn't have an answer to yet. Yeah. And that's, it, it'll keep, continue to grow and get smarter, um, so to speak. But it's something that we need to work with it instead of working against it. Also looking at, I just saw a TikTok where a teacher is having the students come up with a prompt. She mm -hmm. then, they, they handwrite it. She then goes home that night and she puts, she gets the output for the prompt and has a, a chat GPT write mm -hmm. the article or the, uh, the paper essay, whatever it might be. And then she gives it back to the students the next day and asks them to improve upon what AI wrote. How can you improve upon it? And that's a, that's a cool assignment too. Uh and I love whoever that teacher is, shout out to her, because like that's the way I think we have to go with the current, like not go against it. Uh, I was reading the article. Did you see the article in the New York Times? It was uh, talking about it was the title was don't ban chat GPT in schools. Teach with it because the New York public schools like they completely banned it. And I also saw you posted about that on on LinkedIn. What? What are your thoughts on like just shutting it down? Like, no. Well, any, anything new can be scary and create, it can create panic. That's why it's important that every school hire someone that serves basically as a futurist, someone who can tell them what's coming down the pipeline, because it's one thing to, for, for me as a keynote speaker to talk about it at a conference and a few people hear about it, but it may or may not translate to going back to the school. But if you have someone in that district who's saying, hey, this is what's coming and this is how it's going to impact the future of education or even the future of the workforce, this is how we can change in our world so that we're staying ahead of these trends instead of catching up. That's transformative. It's obvious that Folks didn't see it coming. They had no idea. If you have someone that is telling you, here's something, here's how it's used. It's not just a toy. I, I started using Jasper last January. I had used other tools in the past, but not to that extent. So it wasn't shocking. But if you aren't aware of this, then it's going to come across as a shock. First thing you want to do is see this as disrupting everything you're doing in education and shut it down look for ways instead to stay on top of things so that it's not something that is uh, that that's going to blindside an entire school district or an entire state when it comes along. I think, let me ask you this. How do you think educators feel about Grammarly? 
I I feel like Grammarly's become accepted and people don't even right. realize it's AI. I know, that's <laughs> a, that was the that was the point I was getting at. It's like it's oh, that's acceptable, but this other way is not. I think it's it's just too scary, right? It's people feel like it's coming at all of the years of 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 learning and you know education that they've they've taken on to um to be the professor or to be the educator in the classroom and now it's like you can just type it in here and receive an answer i was watching i'm curious your thoughts on this because i was watching an interview what was it was more of a um a panel with a, a gentleman named brian alexander and he had a, a bunch of professors on and they were talking about the the future like with chat gpt and higher education and and one panelist said all the educators are scared that the kids are just going to cheat. Like that is not a new thing, right? Like you could, you could always like pay your buddy $50 to write the essay for you. And maybe no one finds out now it's just, it's just shifted to, um, you know, to a new way. And so I, I really like what you were saying earlier about the educator who was like, how can we use it in the classroom? Um, well, and I think it also forces education to rethink their assignments. Is writing an essay the best way of showing your understanding of a subject area? Are you assigning writing this essay or this paper simply for the sake of this is how you've always done it? Is it really the best way? Or is it an opportunity for you to revamp how you're, how you're teaching? Because we have to keep up. If these tech trends are going to continue to change. And if you if you look to any of the thought leaders, they're mm -hmm. saying that AI is going to completely disrupt education. And in 10 years, and some say less than 10 years, it will look completely different than it does now. Are we in education going to be the ones that lead those efforts and guide it? Or are we going to let someone who doesn't even understand the education, like what we're doing, are it, we have an opportunity to determine that direction and to already start staying ahead of it so that a whole entire system isn't disrupted. Um, it, it, some people might argue that's that's not a bad thing because <laughs> it's a little overdue for disruption. Uh, however, you know it's a, it's it's how educators choose to view this and how they approach it. How do you let's let's bring it down to an area where you and I both live in CTE. So let's talk. How can CTE educators or CTE, like just from the education space in general, benefit from AI and like something like chat GPT. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. Well, for, for one, having every CTE program area, every career cluster, every pathway, having teachers looking at how it's impacting their industry, because I think that some people do not even see or do not, they think, oh, it's going to impact language arts. I don't assign papers, so it's not going to impact me. But it is. If you look at the construction industry, you can ask Chat GPT or another AI tool to uh, to create a uh, blue a blue uh, blueprint for mm -hmm. a home, and then say, "Okay, I need you to make adjustments for," and then it'll go back and make changes. Uh, for in the medical field, it's predicted that in the future it will be malpractice for a doctor to make a diagnosis without AI being involved in that diagnosis. Because in some ways, they're going to need that accuracy of AI, 
where you have a human who we forget things, but AI that has access to all of these other minds, all this other information, and it beca- as it becomes more and more accurate, and you have an AI platform that is trained only on very specific areas, so it's not just pulling out fake news from the internet. You know, it's it's only accessing these journals and professional pieces, and also determining things from. Uh, from machine learning that we wouldn't even be able to come up with as humans. So capitalizing on that. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what gets me excited about it. It's like we're speeding up the process of learning. Um, and I have, a, I have a 15 year old in the house and just from the student perspective as a high school sophomore, he's telling me like, there are some some of his friends, they're using some of this technology in different ways. Um, some are using it to, to help maybe rewrite portions of an essay or um, to help brainstorm on ideas. So he was saying, like, which I thought was kind of interesting. He was like, the schools, as soon as he came back from winter break, it was already, you couldn't access it from the school is what he said but but he was he was having a conversation with some of his friends and they were saying like they have been using uh ai as a tool not just with grammarly but with with brainstorming for ideas you know to to take a thread of a concept that they may have and help build it out and then go in uh and and do the work um so i'm i'm curious how how um And kudos to those kids who are actually going out and exploring these tools because they're going to have an advantage. Uh, If again, going back to thought leaders, if you ask if you ask Peter Diamandis or even one of the creators of some of these AI tools, such as Stability AI, which that one people aren't talking about, but it's going to blow Chat GPT away. Uh, But the founders of these tools are saying that if you want to get ahead in the future. Whatever area you're interested in, figure out how it's impacting AI and stay ahead of it because you're going to be set up for success because it's the number one uh, technology advance that's going to disrupt everything within our education communities. If we're able to capitalize on it, we'll be able to individualize education for every kid. So things that you may miss as a teacher using specialized AI that's able to to for one, to save time, but also monitor, you know, a, ch- a child's learning speed and provide in- input, but also learn their learning styles and, you know, just so many different things that can create create a more individualized education system, but then also combining AI with virtual reality and some of these other tech tools that they, they're all intertwined, but it really, it, it's going to transform what, what, when we look back at this podcast in 10 years, we're probably going to laugh because we're going to say, okay, it's changed so much more than we even thought it was going to. Um, and in so many different ways, but there's tech out there that we don't, we don't even know is coming. So it's, okay, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push our conversation because I am going to send you this episode 10 years from now. Please do. But, and, and okay. 10 years from now, like, give me something like, what do you think What's our conversation around AI and education in 10 years? So that is 2033. 
Yeah. So and we are going to look back and see how little we knew (laughs) and just how much has happened. But I I look forward to that. We'll have to uh, send a note to our future selves. (laughs) Right, 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 right. All right. Now, this is I think this has been a a really good conversation around like AI and and CTE and just education in general. Um, It's on a lot of people's mind right now. Some people are afraid. Some people are excited. Some people recognize like, oh, wow, this can save me hours of time if I use it properly and elevate the engagement in my classroom potentially. Um, Sylvester, I do want to point out too that any any advance in technology, there's also unintended consequences. Thinking about social media, the folks who invented these platforms they did not see some of the things, the negative sides coming that have trans- transformed. So I think part of it too is having our students involved with trying to predict what are some things that some pitfalls that we need to avoid as a society that could go really wrong here. And not just like something they saw in a movie with AI and robots taking over the world, you know, just something like really thinking through what are those potential negative consequences. And that's that's how our kids start becoming thinkers and innovators and looking for those problems to solve before they even transpire sometimes. Very well said, very well said. And we're um, we're actually putting the, the, the finishing touches on uh, on an AI curriculum for for schools. And one of the big things that we wanted to make sure we're intentional about is like the ethics in AI and introducing that, like what could be some of the issues, some of the problems, how to how to use this this powerful tool um, in the right in the right way. Um, very important. Okay, I want to shift the conversation. All right, let's you, do it. You are like a pluralist as it relates to education, and now you're working as the director of CTE at the Milton Hershey school can you talk to me about um the concept of this school like you know what's happening here i want to hear about it oh absolutely i i can talk for a long time about this so just cut me off when you need to i'm actually i'm at milton hershey school now i'm in my admin assistant's office because it's a little quieter but you might hear some background noise because there was a a class change that just happened so a little bit of noise in the background um but this school i I was introduced to the school a couple of years ago when a friend of mine who was in this position prior, Dave Curry, I had him on the podcast during the pandemic, learned some things about Milton Hershey School, but then uh, someone reached out to me through LinkedIn about uh, this position over the summer, and it started out that I was trying to help them find the right person because I just fell in love with the mission of the school, what the school does, and the next thing you know, it's like, I want to be a part of this school. So Milton Hershey and his wife, Catherine Hershey, so skipping back, you know, a century or so ago, uh, they were not able to have children. Um, Milton Hershey had a very hard upbringing. If you have a chance to explore his story, it's very inspirational. But because of his upbringing and the many times that he was a failure before becoming a success, he wanted to make sure that, that young people with a background similar to his were set up for success. So he left his fortune to what started out as an orphanage, and then it uh, morphed into this school that serves pre-K through 12th grade students, provides both a home and school for students. Uh, It's students who come from disadvantaged backgrounds, so your underserved populations that you have to apply to be a part of this school. 
And it basically, it levels the playing field. So when you think about schools that, you know, someone who grows up in poverty, but now because they're growing up in poverty, they're receiving less taxes to support their school. So it's this cycle. Um, this school is an opportunity to break the cycle. Students arrive here up till, up till 10th grade because they want them to at least have two years in the school before they graduate. Um, but they arrive here and they receive I want to say it's like 49 items of clothing. They're fitted. They go around picking out their clothes from the from the uh, supply center, and then it's sent to their home. There's uh, about uh, between eight to 12 students living in a home with house parents. So it provides them a nice positive home life. They have chores that they do in the morning before they go to school. Um, their classes, they have the uh, best of the best teachers, um, low class size, and uh, teachers who are just committed to providing them the best possible education, um, but but then all the resources they need outside of school too, for whether it's sports, I have, I'm mentoring a 10th grader who she wanted to learn piano. So she has piano lessons, she has singing lessons, but any, you know, whatever it takes to make these kids successful, mm -hmm. the school invests in that. Every student is required to take, I don't like to use the word required, but it is a requirement because I would hope that every kid wants CTE regardless, um, but every kid does have a career pathway and every kid graduates with at least one industry cert. So they have a chance to enter the workforce or go on to college. And every student also has an opportunity to earn up to $90,000 in scholarship for their post-secondary education. Wow. Mind blowing, <laughs> mind blowing. Wow. So I'm I'm curious about something you said. Um, is the focus on post secondary success or getting the kids to college? It's life success. So life success. it's so career focused education is embedded in everything throughout the school, which. Okay. Coming from a world where CTE was usually just kind of over here, and it's something I'm passionate about, but not everyone's passionate about, the opportunity to be a part of a school that career-focused education is embedded in every grade level and every content area, and it's an opportunity for kids to really start exploring what they want to do with their lives prior to graduating. If a kid decides to enter industry, they can use some of that um, the, that financial piece. They're not going to hand them that money. Right. Um, but there might be tools that the school will buy for them to make them successful in a, a career, if, say that they're uh, going to start a career in construction or you know wh whatever that career path may be. Then the school will help to provide them those tools and to, to stay in touch with them. They're very big into staying in touch with the graduates and helping them to be successful after they leave here. First off, hats off to you for like, I, I know you're so deeply passionate about CTE and this sounds like the perfect alignment for for you. Like um, it, it just sounds like the 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 school is is deeply passionate about preparing these these young people uh, for success in life and with the career focus. For any CTE director that's listening or educators listening, how how are you infusing that career focus into every class? Like, can you give me something tangible? Like, how? What does that? What does that look like? The approach. 
Yes. So, uh, so that focus started a year before I came here, but again, something I could totally get behind and I really want it to, to, to morph into a CTE focused education. Okay. So uh, there's so many career paths you can go into, but we've done the research. We're developing our programs to ensure that they are preparing kids for what's projected to be career paths of high need, um, livable wages, for the future. Of course, there are gonna be things that students go into that we may not offer because we we can't offer everything. Um, but as of now, a, a teacher can partner with someone in CTE to create a class, to, a, a lesson or a unit together. Or it may be that they have, they have a brother who's in aviation. So they have them come in as a guest speaker in their history class to talk about the history of aviation, finding a way to tie in that career to what they're doing in that academic area. A couple of examples that happened recently is that our law and public safety teacher was working on training kids for the, the law side for being able to uh, litigate a situation. And they had a, um, a key witness that spoke Spanish. So they had the Spanish teacher come in as a translator so that kids could see that connection as well. Uh, we had our welding teacher who is bilingual went in and shared with the Spanish class a, a lesson in Spanish about welding. So, you know, just finding those ways to to cross over and show those connections between the I, I love that. I was, I was really setting you up. I was hoping you would say something around interdisciplinary education <laughs> and, you, and you definitely did. I think that's so important to, to think about that, uh, that collaboration opportunity inside of the school building and not silo. Um, but that's impressive. Spanish and welding. That's one I, that had, that's never crossed my mind. I love it. Well, I, and I, I, love I, it. I love it when it's something that I would have never even thought of or come up with. It's just, it's really cool to see uh, what, how creative our teachers are in really connecting these dots and how excited they are. Because if our teachers aren't excited, students aren't going to be excited. So we want that enthusiasm to exist as they're creating those opportunities to connect between and collaborate with other people. And even within CTE, you know, looking at ways that it may be that you have a student who is interested in uh, a pathway that crosses over with another pathway. How can we provide them opportunities to possibly go in and sit and or take an elective class that's part of a different pathway too? Yeah, you. the culture there, I'm sure that it sounds like there's a, a great culture and spirit of collaboration inside that building. I think that's that's definitely a key takeaway for for everyone listening to uh, to make sure that's that's important. Uh, if anyone's wondering, like, wow, how is Rachel so amazing in this interview? It's because she's also the host of the NCLA podcast, right? So tell me about like. I wanted to ask you, you've interviewed so many wonderful guests uh, in career tech education on your podcast there. What's what's one like major takeaway or something that you found very interesting um, that stuck that stuck out to you from like a guest that you've interviewed? 
You know, that's a great question. I, it's such an honor to be able to host NCLA's podcast because I am able to learn from the finest CTE superintendents and directors from across the country. And I've, you've been on our podcast, you know, just so, so many experts who have created a, a brand for themselves. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that I learn from each guest that I have. I even go back and will re-listen to a podcast if there's an issue connected to something that we're doing here. It's like, oh, wait, I had someone on the podcast uh, that talked about this. For example, over the summer, I interviewed uh, Dr. William Sprinkles, who is the assistant superintendent for Butler Tech in Ohio, and says we're working on this redesign plan and manufacturing is not an area that I, that's my, that's not my expertise. So being able to go back and listen to some past podcasts where folks are doing some interesting, innovative things, and they've created a mechatronics. So combining both manufacturing, engineering, robotics, all of, and mechatronics is very interdisciplinary, uh, but they've created this amazing mechatronics lab. So I went back, listened to that podcast, reached out to him. He did a virtual tour, uh, gave us tons of resources and information. And now we're going to be adding mechatronics to uh, to one of our offerings here. So it's it's the collaboration that happens in the CTE community everyone wants to share. So my recommendation to anyone listening in, if you are interested in what someone is doing, reach out to them. Most likely they're they're going to say yes. They're going to invite you to their school. I have someone coming here on February 8th to visit our school and learn about our redesign plan. Um, but people within CTE, they they want to build each other up and, and support each other. I also have to mention, be sure to go to the NCLA podcast and check out the episode with Sylvester because <laughs> he was an awesome, awesome guest too. And that was one of our more recent episodes, but you'll get a lot out of that as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I, I do find that too. It's interesting you say that. Like the CTE community, it is, it is a very supportive community um like from different different states do it differently but like the collaboration level uh and the enthusiasm around CTE I find a lot of people really excited about um pushing the new narrative of CTE and and how important career readiness and all that stuff is uh, <clears throat> to find helping young people find success uh, in, in their future. My last question, Rachel, we, we've had, we've covered a lot of topics here. We've, we touched on AI. We've talked about your book. Uh, we've talked about the Milton Hershey school in Pennsylvania, your work there, the NCLA podcast. What is your vision for the future of CTE? Well, that's, that's a big question. Okay. So first of all, I think that it's, I. Uh, it's it's going to change because everything's changing so rapidly. But right now, I think it's important instead of looking to own, to add new programs. Yes, adding new programs is great, but for the industries that you're preparing kids for, looking at the trends that are impacting change across the board, helping your instructors, providing the professional learning for them to really understand how that technology, how those advances in the world around us are applying to the workforce in their area. And then making that part of what you're doing, it, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to fit in more when you're working on industry certifications and just so many different pieces, post-secondary opportunities for students. But that's the biggest thing you're going to be able to do to make sure kids are ready for the future is whether it's the uh, looking at AI in your content area or virtual reality, automation, sensors, um, robotics, those, those trends 
What does it look like? Because I can tell you right now, it's driving change in every industry. And sometimes it's hard to see unless you get outside of what you're currently doing. Um, I would also say as for CTE directors, superintendents, leaders, provide opportunities for your teachers to get into the workplace, not just advisory committees. Those are important, but if they're going to prepare kids for the future, they need to be in those workplaces. So give them paid externships during the summer or during breaks where they're able to go and see some of those innovative pieces and make the changes and the adjustments that they need in order to ensure that kids are ready for the future. Wow. I think that may have been one of the best answers to that question that we've had on the show. I expect nothing less from you, Rachel. Uh, for for anyone who wants to engage with you, consulting, book you for keynotes, buy books, what? how can they connect with you? Uh, thank you for that. Uh, so on social media, it's at Rachel EDU. R-A-C-H-A-E-L-E-D-U. And then you can look up any of my books on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, you can also go to my website and shoot me an email there. And that's um, edfuture.org. Uh, I have several URLs that redirect to the same place, but edfuture.org is the shortest of them. So it's the easiest for you to connect with. And Sylvester, I really appreciate this opportunity. I always enjoy our conversations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for your time today. Very grateful for this. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the audience has learned a lot as well. Uh, definitely connect with Rachel. Uh, follow her on all social media as well. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend, like it, subscribe, and continue on your journey to success in CTE. And as you do that, remember, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Global CTE Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to be the first to know about future episodes.